This is the Hofstra Radio Alumni Audio Yearbook. Today is April 30th, 2023. Please tell us your name and the years you were at Hofstra Radio. Jesse Ullman, and I believe it was 99 to 2003. I had an extra semester in there because my academics suffered, and I blame RHU Sports uh, Department for that, sending me to Gainesville, Florida every year. Uh, a tale as old as time. We'll, we'll get into that, I'm sure. Uh, aside from the sports department, what shows or programs did you work on? So um, I did the afternoon news updates. I did the Sunday morning, uh, engineered for the Sunday morning uh, kids show, which was mm-hmm. rough because I usually would go out Saturday night with uh, my girlfriend or friends, um, usually into Manhattan. Mm -hmm. So Sunday morning, that was, that was an interesting, uh, experience. Um, but it taught me about commitment. (laughs) Uh, Mm -hmm. was that the Janice Buckner learn along show? I think it was. Yeah. That rings a bell. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, you know, I, I think I was, I, I think you were mandated then. I don't know if this still exists to do some sort of, uh, music, program programming show so i think i feel like i may have done like a rock show on one weekday night okay uh did you have any titles or positions at the station um not specifically i was i was really a sportscaster for uh for the sports department um and and did news uh updates at the news desk uh so you know, I I covered ever uh, a variety of roles, play by play, sideline reporting back when we had football, um, and uh, and traveled with the team. I hosted uh, the locker room Sunday nights and was a uh, panelist also on the locker room. Um, excuse me, and then I put together, I would put together some feature packages from time to time on uh, uh, a variety of stories, whether they were uh, college. You know, we always thought uh, if we could cover the New York sports landscape, as the Knicks and Heat are playing right now, uh, it would give us more resume material. So we always, you know, while our focus was on Hofstra sports, we always tried to do something um, uh, that would help us build up our uh, resume or portfolio. Okay. When you were on the air, did you use your own name? Did you have any nicknames or aliases? I did. I used my own name, uh, for better or worse. I've, I've, I've uh, found myself. It's funny that you say that. I f- have found myself uh, now becoming a bit more paranoid, especially with I work for Fox affiliate now because I don't like to use my name on anything. Mm. Um, be, just at, at, for the simple fact of uh, paranoia. So have had some uh, some ghost names uh in you know certain circumstances you're forced to you know you have to use your you're mandated to use your own name um so um you know uh yeah i i used my own name and didn't think twice about it um until i got really into the professional arena Hmm. different times right yeah yeah and you know um i i i really had no intention of being in front of the microphone or the camera um while i did do a lot of that stuff at hofstra the i and i did everything i was a sports editor for uh the chronicle i was the uh sports anchor for the the tv show uh this 
the weekly news sports uh, TV show. Um, and and uh, and RSU radio, and I always was in, in front of the camera, but I it, it kind of just played out that way. And you know, um, uh, I have great memories of of uh, that. My, the majority of my role, I think, in my professional life has been more behind the scenes. Um, but I did a lot of front facing stuff at Ofstra. Okay. Um, let's go back to the beginning. Uh, I asked this as a two-part question. Answer it however it makes sense to you. What first brought you to the radio station? And then if you could describe it for those of us who weren't there at the time, maybe people that you met, what it looked like, what it smelled like, what was going on when you first showed up? Sure. Well, I was in a communications course with, I'm going to forget the name of the, I want to say it was Professor Knowlton, maybe, uh, who was a writer for the New York Times. And I, there were a few other people who were in the class who were members of the radio station, including Keith Arizari, who was just inducted into the Hall of Fame, and Kevin Ingalls, who uh, is the son of, was the son, he's he's passed, um, sadly, uh, of Ed Ingalls. Uh, and the, the noted... Uh, uh, CBS sports, uh, producer, you know, um, you know, of legendary lore in my mind covered mm-hmm. Ali Frazier at the garden, uh, and overseas was at all those fights, uh, was recently in, t- made it a cameo in the, um, uh, Ken Burns documentary. Um, and so, you know, Kevin, it, you know, kind of seemed like a fun and outgoing guy and, Keith and a couple of other people that were in the class seemed like a cool crew. And we kind of, you know, said hello to each other at some point, I think after class one day and we're just chatting and they were telling me that they were involved with the radio station. And that was kind of the, the, uh, the start. Um, I had worked, I grew up in New Haven. My dad was a teacher at Yale law school. Uh, I, I was involved with the, uh, WYBC, the Yale broadcasting company and uh, had had really thought that that was in my past, <laughs> mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. and had no intention of of um, of of really getting back into the radio. I was really trying to just to get my footing my freshman year of of college. Um, I was a, not uh, a great student, uh, and so I you know really had to work hard just to turn things around my freshman year. Um, and so when this opportunity came up, it kind of I feel like you know. Uh, from a camaraderie standpoint, um, that was, that was, you know, and I had had a a girlfriend at the time right off the bat at Hofstra and I had a circle of friends and I didn't, I didn't need this, but it's, it seemed appealing and these guys seemed cool. So that was the start. And that was in the fall of 1999. So were you aware of the Hofstra radio station before you came to campus or is this news to you? I was. I was aware of uh, the, the the TV department, uh, the film department. You know, I I wanted to be a, a movie producer. Phil Rosenthal, I had uh, mm. heard uh, stories about, and um, uh, oh my god, I'm gonna forget the guy's name. Star, the uh, Dumb and Dumber, the big bad bad guy. Uh, Rick Star, I think is his name. Uh, he was he was coming, I think, to, you know, speak to, to to the classes, and I think his his daughter, or his niece, were, was in school, and Brian Dennehy spoke at my uh, graduation. So I I knew, you know, Hofstra was, um, 
you know, communication school. That was part of the reason why I chose, I chose it. It was between them, Emerson and, uh, the CUNY Hunter school in New York. And I really wanted to be in New York. Um, I grew up, as I said, in, in Connecticut, not far away. And I just felt like, um, me being embedded with the New York sports scene, <coughs> excuse me, and the media scene would help my chances, uh, in the long run. Um, so I, I had, had known about, uh, the radio station. I knew about the newspaper. Um, I knew about, there was a WUSA team that had just started. And I had some connections at WFAN, uh, which, uh, they were broadcasting or streaming their, uh, the women's games, Tiffany Milbert, who was a star on the USA women's soccer national team. Um, and they were playing at the field across the street from, uh, that air, air, uh, at Mitchell field national. Yeah, exactly. Right over there. Um, so I, you know, I had, I had gotten involved immediately. Um, and, uh, the, the radio was just, uh, clearly another element of it. When I began, um, Bruce Avery was at the helm. Um, and I don't know, there were probably a hundred members of the radio station that there was, it, it was a robust, uh, operation. Um, and I was very impressed with the sports department. Um, and, uh, I remember mentioning the name, uh, Ed's name to my dad and my dad who grew up in Forest Hills, he sold hot dogs at Yankee stadium as a summer job when he was a teenager in high school. He knew of Ed Ingalls. Um, and, uh, and so I think, you know, there were a number of things that played, played into, into it, but I adapted pretty well. And, uh, there were a lot, there, there were a lot of, um, interesting relationships that were built and, uh, 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 it was an incredible experience. Could we go back a little bit further? You mentioned, uh, I guess when you were in high school, there was some involvement in radio and you figured that was in your past. Do you mind talking a little bit about that? Sure. So, <clears throat> so I, uh, did some engineering work and, uh, some, some on-air work, uh, promotional stuff and, um, for, uh, for WYBC, which was Yale's, uh, radio station. They had an AM station. They had, they, they have, uh, an AM station and FM station. And, uh, these two guys, uh, Imad Abdelnabi and Mike, uh, I'm gonna forget Mike's last name, but took me under their wing, um, and uh, really kind of uh, opened the window to um, uh, this, you know, uh, this kind of uh, this space, this space uh, with with radio. And I had uh, never really, you know, um, you know, seen it before, been a part of it, and um, and I I embraced it right away. And, uh, uh, it was, it was one of those things that I ended up doing for, I think three years, um, uh, on the side in, in high school. Um, and I was, you know, that was basically my, my passion, um, that, and, you know, I was on the tennis team and there was, um, uh, my high school tennis team and then there was class and that was, that was essentially it. Um, so, you know, a lot of those, a lot of those, uh, experiences, uh, you know, kind of, kind of took me to the, um, where I am today, uh, what led me to, to Hofstra. But you didn't have an intention of, uh, 
working at the radio station, you got, I got the impression that you were going to focus on classes and other things. Yeah, I, I I wanted to be like a like as I said kind of before I, I kind of wanted to be a film film uh, major, mm-hmm. um, and I I what really kind of threw me off that path was um, my involvement with RHU was one of those things, but then I became the editor of the Chronicle, the school's newspaper. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, there was an opening um, to to do the sports desk for the TV show, so I got involved with that. So it got to the point where I I couldn't really, you know, I I couldn't really turn a lot of these opportunities down. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, you know uh, that that essentially was was uh, you know kind of kind of reversed course uh, for me. In in I have no regrets, and and not in a negative way or anything. Um, but, uh, yeah, that, that was, that really set, uh, the wheels in motion for, you know, what would be in store for the next few years in college. Got it. So given that you had this experience, uh, doing some radio and, and you had these ideas and then you come to WRHU, what was your first impression of the station and the facilities? I was very impressed. Um, I, I, I thought the, um, you know, uh, Demp- Dempster Hall, uh, first of all, I could, I, there was a sense of community in Dempster Hall. Um, and, uh, I, I feel like, um, you know, particularly in the TV department, there was a, a, a guy, uh, Dennis Mizoko, um, and Randy Hillenbrand, mm-hmm. um, and the two of them, you know, really, you could you could tell were passionate about uh, the the TV, the news side of things, and then the film uh, side of things. Um, and uh, and 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 then of course uh, Bruce, you know, with uh, with the radio with the radio station. Um, and then there was uh, his his. Uh, Kind of the bat, I guess the Robin to his Batman. Uh, Joel, I'm going to forget his name. Meyer, um, but Joel Meyer uh, was there, and he was really hands on with the students. Um, and you know, there was just this rapport, but it was also very structured, which I liked. I'm, you know, I've always, I've always liked having some structure, and not just kind of all over the place. Um, and uh, and the radio station had that. Um, so uh, I was, I was impressed right off the bat um, with. Uh, you know, the, the, the department, there were a couple of professors that I didn't particularly care for. Professor Knowlton was one of them. Um, and I'm sure the feeling was mutual on his end. <laughs> uh, 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 but you know, the, you know, I ended up ironing things out with, with, uh, you know, professors and, um, you know, certain ones that I struggled with particularly early on. It really wasn't until my, my junior year that I really started to excel uh, with with work with with classroom work and with the extracurricular stuff. Okay, um, going back to the beginning when you joined the station and and you decide you're going to uh, get involved there. Was there a training class and how did your previous experience factor into that? To get involved with the radio station? Yeah. 
Yeah, I mean, you, you you had experience working in radio, but was there a training class and, and did you feel like, oh, I already know this stuff or were you open-minded to it? You know, I, I, I kind of came in through the, um, it's funny, it's like a, me- it's like a metaphor for, um, for sports. I really kind of came in, um, you know, I, I think, you know, there was like the, the, the radio station and then the sports department. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, so I, you know, I kind of was uh, taken under those guys' wings and they, you know, took me in and, uh, uh, you know, we had an incredible crew um, uh, and, you know, everyone's doing their thing right, right now. Um, and, uh, I, you know, and, and then I was also part of a very special generation because I was, I was with Ed's kids. So, you know, I was in, I was, went through this whole process with Kevin, uh, from day one, I went through, so any, any type of training or anything that Kevin, that anyone had to go through, me and Kevin were in it together. Mm. Um, and then Diana his his younger daughter, uh, started, uh, a year or two later. So I was with Kevin and Diana, uh, through, through the whole, uh, time. Um, and, uh, you know, and, you know, there were just, um, uh, you know, there was some, there was some training. Uh, I remember we had to do some ranch training, learning how to interview, uh, um, you know, how to, how to, how to, you know, record an interview, how to do an interview. I remember there was one time, uh, over the summers, I would, I would typically stay out on Long Island, uh, over the summer and I, I take classes or just, you know, hang out. <clears throat> I had a dorm room somewhat, so why not? Um, and, uh, there was a, there was a tennis tournament. I, I love, uh, tennis has always been my, uh, my baby. Uh, and there was a tennis tournament and, uh, in the Hamptons and Ed had asked me if I wanted to go out. And I said, I said, I would, I would definitely go out. And John McEnroe was going to be out there and Billie Jean King. And, uh, I took my Marantz and I drove out there two hours or whatever it is. And, um, I got, I asked John McEnroe, if, you know, I went up to John McEnroe, I'm just a little kid. And I, I asked, uh, Mr. McEnroe, you mind talking for a couple minutes? He said, no, but I'll buy you a drink. And so that was, I was really intimidated by that and I didn't take the drink and I've hit myself ever since for not <laughs> taking the drink. Um, and I was underage too at the time. And this was before he was about to play a match, mind you. Um, and it, they were, it was a charitable event, so it was right. nothing serious. And then Billie Jean King afterwards was, over, was walking, walked, uh, you know, by, by the courts, by where the media was. And I, I said, um, you know, would you mind talking for a couple minutes? And she said, oh, absolutely. I'd love to talk. And it, you know, we stepped aside and I hit record and we proceeded to, to have this incredible conversation for probably 15 minutes. Wow. And most of it was just about life. Uh, it wasn't even about tennis. Um, and I go down and I look at the Morantz and I, I totally forgot to hit the record button. I, no. I did, did not record any oh, of it. No, um, <laughs> oh, you know, yeah, well, yes, there was training. There was training that we did early on. Um, and, uh, you know, uh, we, we had to, we had some courses I remember, or, you know, uh, tests. Um, I remember, uh, stuff with the AP wire, particularly I was, I was in school when nine 11 happened. Yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, obviously using, uh, we had like a printed, uh, 
you know, almost looked like a typewriter. I don't even know how to describe it. Attached to a computer that would print out, you know, every 10 seconds, um, new pieces of, uh, of information that would come through. Um, and I was at, and I was at the station when 9-11 happened. I went over that afternoon. Um, I was in my, I was in, uh, living in, at Estabrook at the time, uh, the 16 story high rise. And I remember going up to the top, uh, uh, floor of me and my, you know, the, you know, people who lived on my floor and where we took the elevator up to the top floor and saw the whole thing. Um, mm. it was a crystal, crystal clear day. Could see, could see absolutely everything um, from up, from up there. So, and I remember that afternoon going over to, and I still have some uh, relics uh, that I've kept from that day, um, printed AP wire story stuff that you know is you know um, just a of a, a reminder um, of uh, of that day. But yeah, I I mean, you know, you know, using certain tools. Yeah, there was some training. Um, if I, if you don't mind sticking with the the nine eleven story for a second, I've I've asked a number of people that were there at the same time. Um, what was the 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 mood of the station? What was the pull? Because some people said you know everybody just just ran over there, or or people gravitated towards the station, trying to figure out some way to be useful or something to do. What brought you to the station that afternoon? Yeah, I I you know what I I I was working um, the news shift. I, I, I vaguely, I, I vague, I'm trying, you know, I've tried to remember what my class schedule, I, I want to say I had one class, um, and that the rest of the classes, uh, were canceled, but don't quote me. I'm pretty sure I had one class cause I remember sitting in the classroom and thinking, what am I doing? What are we doing here? Or, um, and, uh, but it was a, it was, you know, it happened at eight eight in the morning, nine in the morning. It was a Tuesday morning. Um, and, uh, normal day. And I remember some of my buddies running, saying that what you just said, they ran over there immediately. <clears throat> you know, I was just this groggy college kid who, you know, I uh, was probably hung over. Um, and, uh, I remember turning on, you know, someone banging on my door telling me to turn on the TV. And then that's when we all went upstairs, um, <clears throat> and watched the whole thing unfold. Um, and, uh, it wasn't until, uh, I think there was like an eeriness, but there was also kind of, I, I, w when I went over there, w my memories are just put of people putting their head down and just working. Like yeah. we, we had a job to do, um, and, and, uh, you know, n not information was like still moving at like a lightning pace. Um, and, uh, you know, we would all, you know, the way that the, that worked, um, that responsibility was, you know, there are four people sitting around a desk. Um, and <clears throat> I'm pretty sure we had, I'm pretty sure we had wall to wall coverage. So I'm pretty sure programming was flipped upside down. That was just the same as, um, you, you would have if, you know, there was a uh, uh, Muhammad Ali dies. So there's going to be a breaking news sports center added and there's going to be breaking news coverage throughout, you know, programming. Your normal program is going to be flipped upside down. That's kind of, I think, um, you know, my memory of 9-11. And then, and then the aftermath of it, of course, um, you know, uh, lower Manhattan was shut down for I want to say months. Yeah. Um, so you could not go, you know, I remember once trying to go in to get below, uh, I don't know, 
the teens, the, or the 20th streets. And um, there were, you know, cement brigades, but you literally couldn't, couldn't go. Um, and so, uh, so, you know, it was, it was one of those things. And of course the aftermath and the sports, you know, the way that we covered it, I mean, you had Bush throwing out the first pitch at, uh, I think it was Yankee stadium, my yeah. Piazza hitting that home run for the Mets. I mean, there was a lot of, you know, it, it, it's almost, if you put together the timeline, uh, it, it's, it's, you know, the story of nine 11 in New York. And I, you know, we, we definitely covered it, um, uh, you know, as, extensively as I would think probably any professional media outlet did in, in, uh, in the area. Hmm. Thank you for sharing that. It's uh, I think it's a really important thing to, to recognize obviously as a, as a huge public event, but from the point of view of uh, broadcasting students and, and emerging professionals and what you guys did uh, to put in the effort at the time, I thank you so much for sharing that. Yeah, yeah, it's definitely. I mean, one of those things that'll stick with me forever. I'll I'll never forget um, seeing the, uh, you know, uh, black cloud of smoke that stretched, or, or the fighter jets flying mm-hmm. by. Uh, look, at that time, you're a kid. You're you're young. You understand what's going on, but. I'm more worried about going out and, and having a good time with, with my girlfriend or my friends at the time. And, you know, and it, it, that when, when something on that level happens, um, it just hits different, you know? So that was, that was really like when people say, you know, you kind of, you're no longer a kid anymore, or that's when you, uh, become an adult or it was, that was certainly one of those, um, you know, marquee, uh, moments, um, where, you know, uh, you know, it, it affects you, um, and, and still does. It's difficult. I've been in conversations with my wife, uh, with friends and it's difficult to talk about. I remember, so WRHU sent me to Melbourne, Australia, as I said before, um, with, uh, uh, tennis, you know, it's always been my passion. Um, and, um, I, I paid, I paid for half of it and they paid for half of it. Uh-huh. Um, in 2001, I want to say, don't quote me, Serena Williams and Andre Agassi, uh, won the Australian open, but I was sent to, we got credentialed. I got credentialed. Um, Ed helped me fill out my application. It was the first ever application I've ever filled out. I'm proud to say, uh, for the Australian open in Melbourne, Australia. Uh, and, uh, I, proposed it to my folks as instead of me going on spring break to Cancun or whatever, how about I go and do this for two weeks? And, um, I brought some equipment with me, I brought a, a, a Marantz. Um, I brought some other equipment and every single morning show and, uh, evening show, I would file a report. Uh, so, you know, it's 15 hour difference. So yeah. I would record segment and I, I'd, I'd send it back. And, uh, and for the morning show, I would do, I would do it live because it was, you know, 10 o'clock at night or whatever. Um, and I, I will never forget. I remember this was, this was, this was after 9-11 and I will never forget. There was another, uh, member of the media in the, uh, media center, which is vast. Uh, and they made a, a comment about how not necessarily that U.S. 
you know, should have saw it coming or deserved it. But it was, I'm, I'm paraphrasing, but you get what I'm saying. And I had never heard anything like that before. And uh, it, it really, it really bothered me. And I responded and an, another guy, Graham Agars, legendary Graham Agars does all the updates for the U S open, mm-hmm. uh, for golf and, and tennis, tennis on, uh, FAN and all over the place. Um, and also I believe works on the side for the PG or for the ATP. Um, he, he stepped in, he's kind of like Switzerland, Graham. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he's, he's always been that way. Uh, and, uh, you know, there's not a person who would say a bad word about that guy. And he kind of stepped in and, and, um, you know, uh, you know, kind of pulled me aside and he's just, you know, talked to me. And, uh, I think the other guy, you know, realized it was, it was inappropriate, but, um, you know, it was, it was, it was, uh, you know, one of those things that there's so many new doors that in, you know, not maybe in a good way, in a bad way that it opened up when something on that kind of a catastrophic level happens. Wow. Um, thank you for sharing all that. That is, uh, I guess like you're saying, it's a growing up moment. It's a, it's a realization of now I'm in the adult world and not playing around. This isn't, this isn't kid stuff. I'm, I'm working with other professionals and, and I now see, uh, in a sense, how the world works and how it doesn't work. Uh, that's, uh, that's a profound thing coming out of that trip. We all like to have, you know, we all like to, you know, tap into our inner child, right? Um, and, uh, the, the, you know, the, the innocence and there is a, um, appeal to not having, you know, any responsibility, uh, especially when I, you know, think about like my current role, uh, taking my, uh, beautiful son, Jack, uh, who just turned four this past week, uh, to soccer practice. Um, and, uh, the innocence of not you know, being, uh, you know, uh, you know, scoring a goal or, you know, not, not understanding. Uh, and so, you know, I, I, you know, that's, those are the kinds of things that, and, you know, obviously on the, you know, when you're in college, you're a little bit older, you're a little more mature and, you know, you understand, um, certain things, but, um, you know, I think there, there is, uh, you know, a, a, um, you know, an appeal to that. And, and the thing about working in media is, um, especially, you know, uh, I think about this a lot is, um, you know, you, you want to be aware of your surroundings, uh, Mm -hmm. and you, you want to, uh, you know, I don't, I, someone once told me to get off my Island, uh, when we were talking about race relations and, uh, inclusion, and they're a hundred percent right that, you know, we need to, we need to be able to, uh, especially in the media, um, and RHU, I, you know, certainly, you know, was, was a part of this growing curve to, to be able to see something and understand it, uh, and then, and then write something on it or present, uh, a piece of content on it in a, in a, in a, with an awareness, and that's, you know, uh, mainstream medium, uh, has really gotten away, has really gotten away from that. Um, and, uh, it, you know, when it's, you know, how can you blame them? I mean, when you have to fill hundreds of hours, uh, a day of programming on seven networks, I mean, what do you, you know, there's a certain point in time where you're going to say something stupid. Um, 
and or that doesn't really make uh, doesn't doesn't really have logic uh, behind it. So, um, yeah, I mean, you know, there there's um, experience after experience um, at uh, RHU uh, that kind of helped me in lots of failures. I remember when I came on to uh, the locker room one night and we were interviewing the head coach of an opposing team's football squad. And I asked a question to the coach thinking that it was the previous coach from the previous year who had died that off season. (laughs) And, and, uh, and the coach and everyone at the table just looked at me and, uh, (laughs) it was one of those moments and I tried to backtrack. I tried to apologize and Ed came up to me and he spoke to me afterwards and, I had an uh, off-air conversation with the, with uh, to apologizing to the coach, and it, it was fine. But it's one of those, you know, it's one of those. There's never a better time to fail uh, than when you're young, and yeah. you, you cannot get away with stuff like that uh, in the big in the big leagues. So, I, you know, there's one of those things where you know there were a lot of uh, growing up experiences during that period in in Dempster. Hmm. Let's go back to uh, a little bit closer to the beginning of your time at WRHU, if not the particular first time. Do you remember getting on the air the first time or any of your feelings or expectations? I do. I do remember um, the uh, the news, the news updates, because that was the first time I ever really did news. And I remember there being uh, a kind of like a template of you do a little local news, you do a little New York news. And then you do a little national news, um, and I remember liking that. I, I thought that was I thought that was cool, like the way that uh, the way that the the the, uh, the the format was was laid out. Hmm. Um, and you know, it, it, you know, insert uh, 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 you know a soundbite from um, Representative McCarthy in Long Island, or you know, some something uh, from um, you know uh, Giuliani in, in New York, right. or something from the president. Um, and I remember, I remember not being good at it, but enjoying it. Um, you know, he had a relationship with the person, the board op or the engineer who was, who was behind the, uh, the board, um, and having to, you know, try and execute, uh, on the timing of, of everything. I, I was really the worst, uh, on TV. <laughs> TV was the, I, I, I knew right away that uh, you know, uh, being in front of the camera and having to listen to someone in my ear and having to, you know, uh, n- negotiate with uh, the amount of time of the videos running and uh, r- radio, you're given a lot more uh, leeway in those respects. Uh, you know, we would um, travel home and away with the with the baseball team with the men's and women's basketball team, uh, with the softball team at the time, who was very good. And of course, every football game and football carried the, tor- the torch as it, you know, uh, you know, uh, did, be- did back then when they had a program, it was the, you know, as any college would say the, you know, the flagship. Um, so we were at every, uh, coach Gardy, uh, we were at every news conference every Wednesday, uh, they would have lunch for us, <clears throat> and he would take questions about uh, the upcoming week's opponent. Um, and uh, you know, some of my memories of being on air 
I I remember interviewing Coach Pacora before the game. Tom Pacora was the men's basketball coach. He, he went to coach at Fordham, and he's been popping around. Um, <clears throat> a lot of his assistants, too, are out doing their thing right now. Tom Parada is a coach. David Duke. Uh, there's a few other, but Jared Grasso. Uh, and, and I went into the locker room um, and interviewed Coach Pecora. And I remember my first question, this was one of the first interviews I've ever conducted. And I remember the first question to him was, <laughs> this is great. I wish, I wish I had a, uh, I'll try to, I'll try to give you a visual. Mm. So coach, over the last two weeks, you've had two players arrested for assault. <laughs> you had a player kicked off the team for smoking marijuana and you suspended another player for um, un- unknown reasons. How are you guys dealing with this? He looked at me. <laughs> He is the first question. It was literally the first question I asked him. He looked at me. I could see steam coming through his ears. He did his best to, you know, you know, to to answer. But I mean, it was so it was so in hindsight, it was so inappropriate to ask as the first question um, if I wanted to maybe ask it going in or at least give him a heads up that, hey, you know, we got to address this. Um, but it was it was uh, very awkward and it set the table for a, a a very awkward following couple of minutes. Um, so, you know, that again, another example of, you know, um, failing early. Um, and I had a great relationship by the way, as, as, as a, uh, a nod to Pacora, I had a great relationship with him, uh, during the duration I was, I was there. So he was very nice to me. Um, so, uh, so, so yeah, I mean, those are kind of my, my, my memories of of being on air. I loved covering the football team. It was amazing. The turnout was always great. Of course, the overhead of having a college football team is is expensive. Uh, so you know, I I understand what what took place. But uh, especially if you don't have the TV money. Um, but uh, they f- filled up the stadium. Oh, and then how can I forget? Of course, uh, Coach Donowski and the men's lacrosse team, um, which was and continues to be a, p- a powerhouse. Um, but he was there while I was there, and I remember he was recruiting his son, uh, and his son ultimately ended up picking uh, was the number one high school recruit uh, in the country. Forget Long Island, who's the yeah. number one high school recruit in the country, and ended up picking Duke, uh, which is where Donowski is now um, as the head coach. Um, so I, you know, uh, had to learn that sport, which I had very minimal knowledge of, um, at, at the time, uh, it's a big sport in Long Island, obviously, but it was not a big sport in Connecticut, um, Mm -hmm. at the time. And, uh, so, you know, so, so, you know, the terminology and, uh, you know, um, uh, also learning how to communicate on radio. Linda Cohen, who's an anchor on SportsCenter at ESPN, she worked with Ed for a long, long time. Um, and she really got her uh, foot in the door doing hockey. And, you know, we had that great relationship with the Islanders, WRHU, uh, had that great relationship with the Islanders. Uh, and a lot of people, even to this day, will say, if you can do hockey on radio, you can do anything. Mm. Um and uh, I thought it was so brilliant when that 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 relationship really blossomed um, and uh, was brilliant. And I believe Ed was a big reason that that relationship happened. 
you, you've talked about learning and, and, and failing at some things or not doing as well as you wanted to, and you've alluded to a little bit of advice from Ed. Was it sort of the, the, the sports department generally helping each other out? How much of this was you learning things on your own, and how much of it was sort of a team thing, and how much were you getting from Ed? I mean, I, I, I don't want to discount how big of an impact Ed had on me. I uh, would stay overnight at Ed's. You know, again, this a lot of this goes back to Kev. Me and Kev were very tight. Uh, I would stay over. I would spend overnights at Ed's house, you know, sleeping over. I think I spent two weeks at his house uh, one summer. It may have been longer than that. Um when he was launching this summer camp that he was brought the summer broadcasting camp where, you know, people like Mike Breen would come and speak to us and would literally do play by play with us. I mean, yeah, I mean, how, you know, how do you beat, how do you beat that? I mean, uh, you know, just, a uh, incredible, uh, uh, personality, um, in, in Ed. And he, he was always, he was always very generous with his time. Um, and, uh, he was always sympathetic to, he always, one of the, one of the things, you know, I, I, you find yourself from, you trying to remind yourself of certain like codes to go by. Um, and you know, Ed was military, you know, he was in the Navy. Uh, he went to Navy camp. Uh, he went to the university of Georgia. So he grew up going to college around, uh, that whole Ed Cooley uh, national championship, you know, um, mentality, um, and he was he was around that. Like he was he was around uh, teams that were winning college football national championships, um, and uh, and you know, so he so he had this kind of pedigree to him. And I had a number of um, uh, managers at ESPN who were uh, former military. And who I to this day carry things uh, that they've kind of ingrained uh, in me, and you know Ed had all that, um, and he and I would say the thing that he had the most that that really in hindsight that just really stood out was he knew we were college kids, and you know he in hindsight he he communicated that with everyone the athletic department the dean of the university. The Yankees, like like Ed, Ed was went to bat for every for our entire crew, um, and uh, and and set set the tone right off the bat that look, you know, you know these 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 young men and women are eighteen, nineteen years old. You know, you know they're gonna make mistakes. Okay, so so let's figure out how to work with with them because they're our future. And uh, and, you know, Ed always kind of brought that mentality every single day to, you know, he'd kind of put it aside and say, you know, Jess, you know, you really got to work on that a little bit or, you know, he you know, he would do it in a way that was very uh, fatherly and 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 um, and didn't make you didn't make you feel like you couldn't you know, get better. Uh, and, uh, he loved my pasta with pesto. I'd make a homemade, uh, my mother's Italian. I would, I would make a pesto sauce and he would love it. Margaret loved it even more. And I would make that for them for dinner. Whenever I was over, whenever I go over to their house, I'd always make that pasta with pesto and Kevin loved it. And Diana loved it too. 
Um, and, you know, obviously with Kevin's passing and, you know, Kevin was at ESPN. Kevin was uh, in Bristol when I was in Bristol. Uh, I, I when he, I'm not even going to start going through the accolades of Kevin, but the, the NBA, from the NBA Finals to the World Cup in Africa, or, you know, I mean Kevin's Kevin's literally done everything. Um, he, you know, Kevin and I uh, remain close, and what happened, you know, um, with uh, with Ed and with with Kevin. Um, I was at Kevin's funeral, and and Ed was there, and uh, and Margaret. Uh, you know, has also has, has, has had some health issues and Diana's really the only one now, the only one around now. And I reach out to her occasionally just to check in to say hello. And I love Diana and Diana's a high, I don't know if you know this, but she's a, a very high level, um, producer at CBS news. Um, and, uh, mm-hmm. obviously continuing on the tradition of the Ingalls family at CBS. Um, so, uh, you know, he, he had a profound impact, uh, on my life. And I, I think of him, you know, he went to, uh, Navy, the Navy Academy in Newport. My mom and dad had a house in Newport, Rhode Island when I was little. So I'd spend like my summers up there. So I would talk to him about Newport and the Navy Academy, which has a huge presence in Newport. Um, and, uh, he was, and Ed was always supportive. So like this Melbourne thing, you know, he, he helped me fill out if, if not filled out the entire, uh, application for, for me, uh, to, to go over there. Um, I didn't have a passport at the time. You know, he held my hand through a lot of that stuff. Um, uh, huge impact on my life. Even, even now forget media, uh, you know, whether it was just media or just how to carry yourself, a uh, big impact Ed had on me. And I get the sense that, uh, you were saying earlier that Ed was creating sort of uh, a sense of expectations uh, with various organizations to say, hey, these are 18, 19 year old kids. Make sure that, you know, we're going to make sure that this goes smoothly. But I think he was also setting a level of expectations for the students to say, this isn't just a goof around thing. We expect you to do well. We'll help you and we'll figure out, you know, where to avoid mistakes, but we expect you to do well. Is that fair to say? I think so. Uh, you know, I, I think Ed always carried himself with class. Ed was very cordial and joy, a joyous human being. Uh, and, uh, he loved to laugh and, he, you know, would love to make jokes and make light of, of stuff. And he would laugh with us sometimes. He would drink these Diet Cokes like uh, it was going out of business. You know, mm-hmm. we joked, we joke with him about it. And then, you know, he'd get in on the laugh. You know, he'd, he'd joke about it too. Uh, so I don't know whether it's going to have like play smoking or whatever. Who knows? I don't know. He's an old school guy. Um, but he, uh, he accompanied me once to... Um, uh, Arthur Ashe Stadium, which there was uh, the you know the Billie Jean King, uh, the the massive tennis stadium was not there at the time. Uh, Arthur Ashe was it, and uh, <clears throat> I remember he accompanied me um, once, and I had just been out actually. There was a tournament in Comac, uh, pro pro tournament uh, that Com- uh, country club in Comac used to host, and. Uh, I was out there covering it. Pete Sampras was playing in it. Um, and later that day, Ed, I went over to the U S open because it was a, it was a precursor to the, to, to the U S open, this Comac tournament. And Ed met me there and Ed and I were up at the top, all the way in the press box, all the way up top. And I looked down, I said, Ed, I think that's Pete Sampras down there. I just saw him out in Comac. How did he get here so quickly? And Ed 
Ed said, no, it's not, it's not him. And so we took the elevator. We went all, all the way back down. Sure enough, uh, you know, we walked out by the side of the court and it was Pete. And he said, oh, Jess, you were right. It was, it was Pete. You were right. And he was just one of those guys, you know, he just was, he was just so generous and so, such a kind man. And, uh, I, you know, we would have phone calls, uh, uh, you know, you know, maybe once a year, um, you know, where we would just talk, um, (laughs) you know, about just about life. He loved my dad. My dad, you know, was a, a, a criminal, uh, uh, you know, criminal defense lawyer and defended the worst, <laughs> the worst kind of people. And Ed loved talking about, you know, so my dad's working on like a child rape case or a, you know, a murder, you know, a high level murder, uh, you know, women and children. And he loved, you know, talking to me about, about that, which became ironic because my, my dad loved talking about Ed. Mm. <laughs> uh, so it, we'd have these double, you know, conversations. Um, and, um, uh, but he was always, he was always, um, you know, he loved his kids. Uh, he loved Kevin. He loved Diana. Um, and he was always so supportive of them. Was he a little bit harder on them at RHU? I think he probably was. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think he probably, I think he was probably a little bit harder on them than, than he was on, on us. Um, but, uh, you know, that's, that's probably a given when, you know, you have, you have family, uh, involved um but just uh just uh, really um you know one of a kind uh seminal uh figure in, really in the history of of the new york sports media scene hmm. thank you for for sharing that about about ed and and kevin and all these experiences you had and and uh obviously uh, being a WRHU meant a lot to you. That's why we're having this conversation all these years later, the relationships, the memories, the experience. But can you go back in your mind to when you're 18 years old and, and you're first having that conversation with Kevin and Keith and you're you're thinking about joining the station? What did you hope Hofstra Radio would mean to you at that point? Sure. Actually, I'll tell you, I'll tell you a, qu- a quick story before I answer that. Um, as, as my memory is starting to come back to me, when I first started, uh, Kevin and Keith and the guys would do so. You know the Sopranos, the HBO show, the the sure. Sopranos that had just that had just come out. Uh, maybe a year or two uh, into into it, I I was not familiar with it. I didn't I didn't watch it. Um, and so the 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 guys at RHU would do. Uh, every Sunday night, um, uh, get together at the station, and one of those side classrooms, um, uh, they they'd have uh, uh, two of the guys, Keith and another guy, had uh, girlfriends who worked at an Italian restaurant, and they would bring tons of food, um, and it w- was it probably illegal at the time? We should we have been doing it? Probably not. Um, but, and we'd set up shop in this classroom and there was like 15 of us and there would be this buffet of food from this incredible Italian restaurant. I don't know if it was Vincent's or one of the, or some other Italian restaurant in the area. It was a well-known Italian restaurant and they got all this food for free and they would bring it and we'd watch the Sopranos. That was my indoctrination to the RHU sports. 
<laughs> so you're, you're part of the so family I mean, now. like yeah. we hit it off. Like I, I immediately was like, oh, these guys are, these guys are, you know, I, I can, I can hang out with these guys. Um, <laughs> so you know, I, I, I think, I think one of the things that I, I think about this, and I said, I said this to you when we were emailing back and forth, that I really, I really think goes back to it. And you know, and I, I was never involved with like the Greek system or anything. And you know that we had that after some of my, some of my roommates were. Uh, when I was a freshman, they got involved right away. Camaraderie, you know, there was, there was a, like a brotherhood. Um, and, uh, everyone, uh, looked out for each other and, uh, you know, uh, we, we all were, uh, just, just had a rapport in, in the radio station and outside the radio station, whether it was going to see, uh, a movie that had just come out, um, or a concert, um, or a, a sporting event. We, we just, you know, we, we, I think, I think the biggest takeaway that I had in hindsight, just, you know, from a psychological uh, you know, perspective was it was, it was really just a camaraderie thing. I mean, that, that was, you know, did I get to own in on a couple of crafts? Sure. Um, uh, were they, were they my initial intention? No. Hmm. Um, but I, t- you know, to this day, uh, we would go to comedy clubs together. I mean, we did so many things that, uh, you know, it, you know, just looking back on at uh, just, you know, really uh, were, were, were special. Um, and look, do I keep in touch with these guys? Not as much as I wish. Um, you know, everyone's kind of gone on in their, their separate ways and if have, you know, certain, some people have families um, some people are no longer with us. Um, and you know, uh, uh, so I, I think that is ultimate, I think that really is what I think about. Um, when I think about, you know, what I really in- intended, uh, RHU to, to be for, for me from the, from the onset. Um, and I, uh, along the way I was able to own, some crafts and that has, you know, been played a role into, uh, where I am now. That's fantastic. Thank you for, for sharing that, Jesse. This has been a lot of fun. Um, thank you so much for sharing your stories and memories. And, uh, I'm working on another set of questions. I hope you have some more stories to share and maybe we can do this again sometime. I love to. Awesome. 